Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, March 8, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, how are you? I am Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 414 of the Biden-Harris administration. That's day 414 of the Biden-Harris administration. 243 days until 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska, TheBobSeska, if you will, and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. And look, sitting right over there, it's Buzz. You say Buzz There he is. You've said it all. Hi. Hello. Theater. Theater. You look ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was yelling at some high school students. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hi, Bob. Hi, Hi everybody. Uh, he's Bob. I'm Buzz, and uh, we're continuing our boycott of Russian caviar. <laughs> Still not having such elitists. Uh, the the sanctions against Russia really seem to be working. Uh, b- being cut off from Facebook uh-huh. uh, now now means Russians will no longer be able to see what we had for dinner. <laughs> They've got such a huge database of American eating habits. It's incredible. And now that Netflix has cut off service to Russia, Putin won't get to see the ending of Ozark. Ha, 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 ha. Sorry, Putin. That's a sanction. Uh, The Russians may have Ukraine outgunned. Uh, You know, we're all concerned about that. Uh, They may be outgunned, but Ukrainians have proven to be much more skilled at using the F word. Gotta love the Ukrainians. Seriously, don't F with the Ukrainians. Could be an advantage. <laughs> uh, President Biden has ruled out declaring a no-fly zone mm-hmm. over Ukraine. But he says he would consider one for Mike Pence's head. <laughs> <laughs> see, because of the fly that landed on his head, see? <laughs> exactly. And we're all, you know, now we're all dealing with inflation as best we can. Uh, yesterday, I got so mad about gas prices, I just got in my car and drove around the Beltway a couple of times. <laughs> oh, oh, and, and did you hear the latest thing Trump said? No. Yeah, no, neither did anyone else. <laughs> more fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. All right, the latest from Rocky Mountain Mike. Welcome to Ukraine. There's no turning back Even while you sleep <laughs> We will find you Acting on your worst behavior He's the worst of human nature Vladdy Putin wants to rule the world There you go. The world. The world. He chose as his enemy the world. The world. <laughs> oh man, Rocky Mountain Mike. I I was gonna. You know, it's funny. Before we started, I was gonna ask you if you you like Tears for Fears. Are you? I, a fan oh of that my group? God, I love Tears for Fears. Oh, One of the great uh, recording artists of the 1980s, and and that song, everybody wants to rule the world. One of the greatest songs in that. I would put that in my top five greatest songs in the 1980s. It'd be somewhere in there. I'm gonna send you a clip. It's from uh, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I guess it was a live. Uh, performance by them of that of their hit, and yeah, uh, it, yeah. what's amazing about it, in addition to the 
fact that they sound the same and the musicianship mm. is astounding, the guitar work astounding, yeah. the camera work and the direction on this on this for a live band on a on a show, I, I've never seen such artistry in the photographing of of a live performance of a band. I've always felt that about Stephen Colbert. You know, it's yeah. something that you never talk about in terms of late night, but the craftsmanship of Stephen Colbert's late show yeah. is right. unrivaled in late night television. Just everything. Well, um, our Rocky Mountain Mike is unrivaled as well. That's exactly fucking right. Exactly Rocky right. MNTN Mike uh, on Twitter. And by the way, I'm so jealous of his RV. I just I want to yeah, get. You, I was wondering, do you think he can get a recording studio in there? <laughs> I'm sure there's a he, home theater in there already. He he could travel and photograph and uh, you know record his songs out on the road. Exactly right. Hey, you know what? We never do this for you. Every what? Thursday, first thing I do is I plug Jody's shit and then I plug uh, David's shit, and I never plug your shit at the top you know of the why? show. Why? You know you know why? Because I think I conveyed to you that I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think because I you've asked me about Instagram and I don't know what else and I said yeah, yeah. no thanks you know and I tried MeWe and that that fell flat there's nobody over there so I mean for me it's still all happening on on Twitter and Facebook yeah and yeah sometimes I have things I like to you know what's funny is I get a lot of likes and uh -huh. sometimes get a lot of retweets uh, but, but not necessarily follows I, I'd love to get more follows and more retweets if you. Like my work here, if you liked what I did as a news anchor mm -hmm. uh, over that career, if you like anything about me, uh, but, but please do that. It would, it would, uh, it, it, my ego depends on it. I have no idea why I can't explain the Twitter gods and the decisions they make, but you need to have a blue check. So does Stephanie Miller. Oh, you and Stephanie exactly. Miller are no. most deserving of a blue check of the people I know who don't have a blue check yet. It's some form of injustice that's being doled out by social media. I have no you idea. Know, I, don't even, I don't even care about the blue check. I mean, I, I definitely think Steph should have one and you yeah. should have one. Uh, but, I'm I'm way behind you guys. Uh, you know I don't know, that. and so I, and I don't know that I need one. I just would love to have more followers and yeah. more retweets. And I don't. I I've never posted. You know, do that. I've never begged for retweets or follows. But I thought I'd mention it here. Yeah. Because uh, you know I need it. Yeah. Well, right. Well, on Twitter you are Michael J Elston, or you can just search for Buzz Burbank. Plus, right. every week, of course, ever on Tuesdays, whenever you see your name in the description under this episode, that also links to your Twitter. So yeah. if you, you're listening to the show right now and you want to follow Buzz on Twitter, just go to uh, the page for this episode at bobseska.com. Scroll on down. Look for, you know, it says at the bottom of the description, it says uh, Buzz Burbank. Click on that link. It'll take you to his Twitter. Follow him there. And on Facebook, just search for Michael J. Elston. Easiest way and to if, find him. And if you don't want to, that's okay, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, half of you, don't even worry about it. The other half, please go follow. Part of me passionately needs it for myself self-esteem and the other part could care less okay well uh the russian invasion of ukraine continues slowly and naturally yeah. everyone's a foreign policy expert everyone's a war expert now including the former president donald trump you know this idea i'm about to uh talk about here <laughs> this is a tiny trump idea this is one of these yes. This is Tiny Trump in his cigar box coming up with kooky ideas for ways to attack Russia. And uh -huh. in all seriousness, the real Donald Trump openly mused about risking World War III to GOP donors in New Orleans on Saturday mm -hmm. night, according to the Washington Post. And the reception was reflective of the Republican Party's approach to him, lockstep support. Well, naturally. In his 84-minute speech, Trump said the U.S. should, quote, bomb the shit out of Russia using planes marked with a Chinese flag. And then he said, and then we say, China did it. China. China did it. China. China did it. We didn't do it. That's how he's conducted his entire life from childhood. That's how he <laughs> conducted himself in business. Yeah. Uh, it, deception, you know, and, and stupid deceptions at that. Right. But yeah, obviously it's an invitation. He, he makes himself, I think he actually, Tiny Trump gets smaller every day. <laughs> I think, I, I, you know, I, I made the joke about, did you hear what Trump said? No, nobody else did either. Uh, you, there is, he's still dangerous and yeah. he's still saying insane, crazy things. Oh, yeah. But his, to me, uh, from where I sit, it looks 
looks like his voice keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It really and his does. influence, his influence getting smaller and smaller. Now, yeah. Republicans are still in lockstep with him, but uh, I, I think uh, they're looking for escape hatches at this point. Yeah, see, now I'm holding up the little cigar box. I put some cedar chips in the bottom of the cigar box, by the way, for do when he makes his little... Do you tape it shut or yeah. use a rubber band? How do you keep it closed? Yeah, How do you keep I, it in I, there? a couple of rubber bands, that's all it takes. But the, the cedar chips are just like you would buy for a hamster cage yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's for his little teeny tiny duties because I have to feed him little tiny tiny hamburgers. And by the way, oh my God, is he bitey. Oh, yeah, I dare you to stick your hand in that cigar box. He'll just bite it right off. Bite your finger. Uh, a lot of slider in your hand, no. Yeah, such an utter pain in the ass, Tiny Trump. You can't let that happen to me. There he is. All right, so he said, and then we say, China did it. Yeah. We didn't do it. China did it. Right. And then they start fighting with each other, and we sit back and watch, Trump said, to laughter from the crowd, according to The Post. You know what plan B was for Trump? <laughs> to tell Putin that his fly is down, and then when he's checking his fly, we just bomb him. That was Trump's other idea. Uh, a ruse like that one is perfidy and violates international humanitarian law and customary international law. Perfidy in lay terms is treachery. This says William Banks, a law professor at Syracuse University who researches national security. I mean, and can, you know what else? It wouldn't work. <laughs> you, don't think that, you don't think the Chinese can figure out those are American planes? I know. Uh, you know. That the Russians can figure out that those are American planes with Chinese flags on them? Yeah, but the American planes, Buzz, are invisible. Don't you remember Trump was announcing every chance he got that we have invisible airplanes now? That so they, there'd, they be a, there, there'd be a Chinese flag on an invisible plane. We'd exactly. see the flag flying through the air, but not the plane itself. <laughs> yeah, suddenly, a little teeny tiny stick-on flag would be just soaring through the air, and then the bombs dropping out of the bottom of it. God. Yeah, just a dumb, dumb, dumb fucking idea. You think in a million years Russia's going to go, oh, look at those. Oh, I see a little Chinese flag on there. Oh, that must be China. China's bombing us now. Oh, shit, China's bombing. And then suddenly they realize, uh, looking at the radar data, Oh, it didn't come from China. Right. <laughs> stupid, stupid Trump. Oh, my God, the dumbness of this, the vast dumbness. And people have got the nerve to continue to go around and say, oh, my God, if Trump were president right now, Vladimir Putin would not be doing this. Right. That is a bunch of horse shit. And, you know, hats off to, uh, to Tom Nichols on MSNBC the other night pushing back against that ridiculous notion. They had, uh, I think, like four different panels, four different people in boxes talking. And one of the people in boxes happened to say, Trump was tough on Russia back when he was president. And then when they went to Tom, Tom just let loose. It was like, that is nonsense. There's no way Trump was tough on Putin. In fact, exactly the opposite of that. Uh, John Bolton, uh, Mark Esper, many others have been talking about since uh, Trump left office about how he was going to abandon NATO in his second term. In fact, he wanted to do it before the election, uh, you know, at the end of his first term, but he decided to wait until the beginning of his second term. And not only was he going to withdraw from NATO, but he was going to end the alliance with South Korea. And he was a friend and admirer of Vladimir Putin. Yeah, yeah. It's so obvious, and anybody who's not part of the cult can see that. And, you know, I was just sitting here thinking, and my, uh, my mind does wander, but I was thinking uh, the fact that, you know, we're concerned about saving democracy, about what's going on uh, both here and in Ukraine. Uh, we're concerned about saving the planet, which is nearing a tipping point. Yeah. We're, uh, we, we have all these serious concerns. They are over there, Republicans are over there uh, doing the, the culture war thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, suppressing women's rights, uh, suppressing abortion, suppressing voting rights, now suppressing uh, LGBTQ. Uh, that's what they're all about. They're not mm-hmm. about addressing any of the serious problems that we actually have. They're about attacking the imaginary problems uh, and, and making a culture war out of things. Uh, anybody who's not part of that cult can see what's going on. Uh, both in the overall picture and specifically with this, what you're discussing. Yeah, and I noticed, too, that Tucker Carlson in particular can't find a new message on Russia. He doesn't know where to go with this. Because he was, I mean, yeah, exactly. They were planning for a couple of weeks there to go full on, we're defending Vladimir Putin. 
Now I guess they're trying to move toward, yeah, Putin's terrible, but the Democrats are worse. Worse. Or Mm -hmm. why doesn't Joe Biden do X and Y, usually involving some form of military intervention, which would be a fucking catastrophe. And we'll talk about no-fly zones here in a minute. But it was interesting to see Tucker Carlson the other night trying desperately to find some new angle after spending so much time just, you know, rim-jobbing uh, Vladimir yeah. Putin. It was unbelievable. This is uh, Tucker Carlson from just a couple of weeks ago. Since the day that Donald Trump became president, Democrats in Washington have told you you have a patriotic duty to hate Vladimir Putin. It's not a suggestion, it's a mandate. Anything less than hatred for Putin is treason. Many Americans have obeyed this directive. They now dutifully hate Vladimir Putin. Maybe you're one of them. Okay, well, you remember that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And by well. the way, Alex Moffat on Saturday Night Live did the best <laughs> Tucker Carlson yes. impressions Saturday Night. In fact, that whole bit was great, yeah. where suddenly they're reversing course so much that they're doing like a telethon. <laughs> for Ukraine <laughs> after uh, worshiping Vladimir Putin for all this time. And oh, he's not going to he's not going to invade. That's crazy bullshit talk. No way he's going into Ukraine. It's never going to happen. And besides, is Vladimir Putin ever calling you racist? Is he ever allowing trans yeah. people to go into the bathroom with you? No, of course. Oh, God, just unfucking believable the duplicity. So uh, we were talking about um, Donald Trump and uh, how he was so incredibly tough on Vladimir yes, Putin so for tough. those those four years. All those times he defended, allowed Kislyak and Lavrov to come into the Oval Office, gave them top secret information, top secret intelligence, right there as they were standing there. No Americans in the room other than Donald. Trump, no one there to make sure, not his national security advisor, no one. And besides, his national security advisor at the time was Mike Flynn, so... It right. wouldn't have done any good anyway. You remember at the time, late, what is it, December or something, just after the election, uh, there were a, a, attempts, when, when Trump was first elected, there were attempts, uh, you know, overtures to the Russian government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, that pattern has had just continued. I mean, from yeah. the beginning, from before he was elected, Donald oh, yeah. Trump was pro-Russia, pro-Putin, and uh, many think it's still because of the P-tapes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, seriously, what would Donald Trump be doing now other than saying, hey, you know what? This is Ukraine's fight. And by the way, we're out of NATO. Bye-bye. We're gone. We're done. We're ghosts. We're out. But here's John Bolton the other day. This is uh, an interview, I think, with the Washington Post talking about Donald Trump and once again confirming that Donald Trump had every intention of withdrawing from NATO. And by the way, withdrawing from NATO is helping Vladimir Putin. You cannot say in the same sentence that Donald Trump would be tough on Putin and then also he's going to withdraw from NATO. That's why. Yeah, yeah. that's why. That's why Trump wanted that. That's why uh, the Republicans got the Trump campaign got the Republicans to drop their Russian platform, mm-hmm. uh, their 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 statements on Russia, their position on Russia and Ukraine yeah. uh, before that convention, before Trump was first elected. It has been a goal of Trump and a good number of Republicans from the very beginning to do this. So it's obvious to everyone who's not in the cult that these what we're saying here is all true. The whole point of NATO, as we both know, Buzz, is to contain Russia. That was the entire intention of forming the North Atlantic treaty organization that was the whole point of it and so if you want to withdraw from that organization by definition you do not want to contain russia so that is that is directly helping russia I wish someone would ask him, just really pin him down, even if he gets up and storms off. Ask him if he wanted to withdraw from NATO. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually admitted, oh, they weren't paying their fair share and all that Right, bullshit. remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if the U.S. if the U.S. were to leave NATO, that would achieve Putin's goal of breaking up NATO because what would be left would be the European countries standing alone without the United States. Uh uh, that's exactly what Putin wanted, and, and that's exactly what Trump wanted, and he said it out loud many times. Yeah, so here's the magic mustache once again saying something mm-hmm. that he should have said while he was working in the White House as National yeah. Security Advisor, but which he waited until after it was too late to blab. Uh, John Bolton talking about Trump and NATO. This was a, a policy. Donald Trump cared one thing about Ukraine, which was how does it affect his political future, and I can say that every other senior National Security mm-hmm. Advisor, Mike Pompeo, Uh, Mark Esper at Defense, uh, all of us felt that uh, we needed to bolster Ukraine's security uh, and were appalled at what Trump was doing. 
uh, and finally it got resolved in, in, in the near term on the security assistance, but the significant negative consequences for Ukraine, I think, were real. One last question. And in your memoir, you wrote that uh, the president, President Trump wanted to leave NATO in 2018. How close did that come to reality? And we have just a minute left. Yeah, I had my heart in my throat at that NATO meeting. I didn't know what the president would do. Uh, he called me up to his seat seconds before he gave his speech. And I said, look, go right up to the line, but don't go over it. I, I sat back down. I had no idea. What okay, wait, I'm going to pause right there. I just have to add. Yes. That was John Bolton's mistake. Go right up to the line, but don't go over it. He right. say that to Donald Trump. Of course he's going to go over it. He's going to steamroll the line. He's going to take a dump on the line, and then he's going to steamroll right over it. That's what Donald Trump does. You give him an inch, and he takes a mile, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes, he does. That's his whole thing. <laughs> what he do? I, I thought he put his foot over it, but at least he didn't withdraw then. In a second Trump term, I think he may well have withdrawn from NATO. Yep. And I think Putin was waiting for that. Yep, Putin was waiting for that. That That is the most salient part of that quote right there. Putin was waiting for that. That's why Putin went into Ukraine now and not two years ago. He went now because he was planning to go now because Donald Trump was planning to withdraw from NATO. He wanted to wait until Donald Trump had left NATO. And so he was waiting for that second term and for Trump's decision and that's how he began to time his uh, invasion plans. And obviously, Donald Trump didn't get reelected. Donald Trump doesn't get a second term. Donald Trump doesn't get to withdraw from NATO. But the plans have already gone out. They can't be rescinded, nor does Vladimir Putin want to rescind the plans. So he's just like, OK, fuck it. Let's go in anyway. But I, think I, I really believe the timing of this corresponded exactly with uh, Donald Trump's second term. I think that was why it, it was done now. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's where Putin was headed anyway. And uh, I think he banked on the fact that he had, I thought he, I think he believes he had divided America sufficiently yeah. and divided NATO sufficiently mm -hmm. that uh, he could get away with uh, taking over Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, I think he's surprised now to see uh, Republicans joining Democrats in, in shutting him down. Mm -hmm. uh, he, I don't think he anticipated that. So uh, as much as he has divided and damaged us in America, uh, it wasn't enough to help him get Ukraine. I'm just blown away by the uh, overwhelming unity of the response to this. I mean, you set aside yeah, a couple yeah. of, you know, Belarus and maybe half of the Republican Party or the entire Republican Party. Who the fuck knows? But other than that, the international community is united on this. And the one thing I hope in my Gen X cynicism, one of my hopes is that this sustains, that it's not something that, a lot of these corporations and non-governmental entities wait until people stop paying attention and then they go right back to doing business with Russia. I hope that's not the case. We've right. seen that sort of shit before. Okay, yes. the smoke is cleared a little bit. People are looking the other way. So let's go right back to what we were doing with Russia. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope this continues on and on and on until uh, Vladimir Putin is forced to tuck his tail between his legs and run back across the border and to stop fucking with Ukraine. And, oh, by the way, uh, help Ukraine rebuild. <laughs> you know, all yeah. the shit that he has destroyed, all the lives that he's taken. I think it was right after we did uh, our Tuesday show a couple of weeks right. ago and the bombing started. I facetiously turned to Kimberly and I said, you know what? You know how this ends? This ends with Vladimir Putin and an IV drip dying in a safe house somewhere. And I just said it yeah. flippantly, like almost as a joke. And now I'm like, well, you know what? That's actually a possibility. <laughs> There's a possibility that Vladimir Putin has to flee for his life at some point. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it's uh, something that's going to end well for him, at least. I, th I think Putin is surprised also at the opposition from within his own government and yeah. uh, with within his citizenry. Yeah. I don't think he expected uh, that kind of pushback. I know that he knows it's not going well. Yeah. I still think there are yes-men around him who are shielding him from just how poorly it's going. Uh, I, you know, just if we were going to pick up a, a point at which I think uh, Putin lost this war, mm. it was when Netflix pulled out. <laughs> Because that will, that 
that will make the Russian people very angry. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, and they've lost their social media, their credit cards, uh, and now Netflix, too. Uh, this will not stand. I, I don't think Putin can survive this. No, absolutely not. I mean, I don't know what can happen by way of a citizen uprising. I do believe that there have got to be people inside the Kremlin, uh, even representatives in the Duma, who are like, I, you know what? This guy, right. this guy's cheese has slipped off his cracker, as so many people seem amused when I say that. That. But uh, it's true. I think he's completely lost his spadoinkel. I think this is failing badly. I think this is damaging a lot of things inside Russia. And bear in mind, I keep saying this, but it's absolutely true. Russia's economy already sucked. Yes. And that was without the sanctions or these additional sanctions that have been applied for the last couple of weeks. So and just before the show today, uh, Joe Biden said we're going to stop importing Russian oil, something yeah. that we had to think about. And by the way, that's something he's doing unilaterally. This is one case where we are not doing it in coordination with the other NATO or, or any other of our allies. Yep. Uh, each country has to make its own decision on this. Uh, Biden has decided that we should cut off what he calls Russia's main artery, oil. Yeah, gas prices are going to go up as a consequence of it. We have to deal with it. I mean, there are solutions to this. Rather than just shaking your fist at this caricature of Joe Biden and going, damn you for the gas prices as you pump gas into your SUV. That's yeah. horseshit. If you got an SUV and you're concerned about gas prices, try carpooling. Try mass transit. Try buying a more fuel-efficient vehicle rather than right. saying, ah, you know what, I have no idea... With this inchoate rage. I have no idea why gas prices are high, but God damn it, it's Joe Biden's fault that they're high. That the, is the, horse shit. The semis uh, burning up fuel around the D.C. Beltway uh, get like between <laughs> 6 and 15 miles to the gallon if uh, they're yeah. lucky. Yeah. Uh, my Prius gets fifty over 52 miles to the gallon. Uh, it can be done. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and you could do even better than that if you go electric. I'll tell you, the Prius is one of the best cars I've ever owned. And I know it's not hip to say that. I know Prius owners get a, a bum rap. I, I push back yeah. against that because that Prius taught me how to drive again and, and to drive in a way that was fueled. It almost became seriously buzz. It was like a video yeah. game, uh, driving yes, a Prius. exactly. Where you see the readout of your miles per gallon and you want to mm -hmm. constantly top yourself. Like one of my oh, yeah. missions was to see how many total miles I could get out of a tank of gas uh, in a Prius. <laughs> And by the way, you do put gas in a Prius. It is a yeah. hybrid car. Um, right. The fact of the matter is, though, at one point, I was able to get over 500 miles on a, a tank of gas uh, yeah. in a Prius. And it's only yeah. like, I don't know, a, a 10, 11-gallon tank. But there, there's a bladder inside of it that pushes all the gas up into the system so that it, right. you know none of it's wasted. We do the same thing. Yeah, we went to Kansas and back on that, as a matter of fact. And, oh, yeah. and it was very comfortable. They've improved the cars a lot. Uh, uh, my first one, our first one was uh, sort of brown, goldish, goldish brown, I guess. Mm -hmm. and, and it was that original... Uh, uh, potato wedge design. Yeah, I had it those. Looked, yeah. it, it, it looked like a potato wedge. Yeah. Well, the one I have now is silver and looks like a little a miniature rocket ship. <laughs> the, the design is is much cooler, yeah. and I have badass wheels on it, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I was. Car. Yeah, but it can be done. You can save fuel. Yeah, and bonus, uh, I was impressed by the fact that I could actually fit into a Prius. <laughs> yeah. Usually I have to origami my legs in a way that uh, will barely fit into a <laughs> front seat of a small car, and it's never comfortable. But with a Prius, I was able to comfortably fit into that thing. And, uh, Excellent. But, but what you were hitting on there is the people who are bitching the loudest about the yeah. cost of gasoline are you know, the ones driving the big-ass SUVs that they don't mm -hmm. really need. Some people need them. Some people use them for various things. But uh, you know a lot of people drive them because they're big. Yeah. That's the only reason they're out there. You see little tiny people driving great big uh, SUVs, and it's uh, it's like their tank. It's like their it's like their armored vehicle. But it is. It's so much to drive. It is really yeah, it one is. of the fun cars to drive. It's like there's a challenge to it. It's yeah. like a video game, and uh, you'll get used to it quickly. And the idea of not having to pay as much at the pump is certainly a welcome challenge change. In fact, one of the reasons why I bought my Prius is, is back when the gas prices went through the roof back around right. 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. And that's it was a huge spike. The gas prices were rising. Yes. I remember predictions that gas prices were going to hit $10 a gallon back then. Right. And right. in fact, they peaked out at about the same level they are now back in 2008. 
So I do want to talk more about uh, gas prices and uh, a fascinating trend I'm seeing among Republicans and their reaction to gas prices as it pertains to uh, to Joe Biden and big government intervention. But Yeah, and, yeah. and let me just add, by the way, this is also a chance for us to get out from under fossil fuels and get into yeah. alternative fuels, which we needed to do anyway. I hope that this is an impetus for us to do that. Yeah, uh, speaking of uh, buying new cars and things like that, Buzz, have you ever uh, consolidated a, a bunch of loans, your credit card debt or anything like that? You ever I, done that? I, have, I haven't needed to do that yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, we hear a lot about refinancing our our credit card debt. And in fact, I think we tune it out sometimes. I know when I was bogged down with business debt years and years ago in the middle 2000s, around 2010 or so, uh, I wanted to ignore the problem and hope it went away. But don't worry, you're not alone and you don't have to navigate the credit card consolidation process by yourself. Lightstream is here to help. So, Did you know that refinancing your credit card balances can lower your interest rate and save you money? And you don't have to be a financial expert to do it. It's true. You can get a fixed rate credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream and you could save thousands in interest. Rates start at 4.98% APR with auto pay. Excellent credit. Uh, It's much lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 19% APR. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000, and there are absolutely no fees. The application is 100% online, and you can even get your money in your bank account as soon as the day you apply. That's kind of amazing. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they're going to deliver. And here, just for my listeners, apply now and get a special interest rate discount and save even more the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Seska. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash C-E-S-C-A. That is subject to credit approval. Rates range from 4.98% APR to 19.99% APR. Include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rates require excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Seska. That's C-E-S-C-A for more information. Thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bob Seska. All-time favorites all day long. You can take back what you've said, so just hallucinate instead. One of the best in the business. This is the great Matt Jaffe. Song from his uh, brand new album, Undertoad. That's T-O-A-D. Undertoad, like the frog. Song called Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. Punch Drunk Love is running dry. So fucking great. MattJaffeMusic.com to support Matt's work. Go do it now, please. Holy shit. Such good stuff. Uh, link in the description under this episode. Of course, bobseska.com slash music to submit. All right. Getting back into things here on our big uh, Tuesday show. Uh, yes. Gas prices. We're going to talk about gas prices a little bit more here. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm observing, Buzz, is uh, Republican voters. In fact, Republican members of Congress, for that matter, demanding that big government solve their problems. I wonder how many of these uh, small government conservatives considered carpooling or mass transit. Maybe a a more fuel-efficient car. Instead, it's help me, government. Help me. Help me solve the gas prices, Joe Biden. The party of responsibility. Yeah. Personal responsibility. Yeah. uh, More importantly, the party that wants the government out of everything. Government, get out of private industry. Don't meddle around with private industry. In fact, we want to shrink government so small that it can be drowned in the bathtub. Yeah. Until we need something. I mean, that's their anthem. But uh, as you pointed out, they turn around and ask for the opposite. That's because it's negative partisanship now. That's what's driving all of this. They're abandoning all of their core values. 
the old conservative values, absolutely abandoned in lieu of, it's his fault, it's Joe Biden's fault, and it's Nancy Pelosi's fault, and they need to fix this because we hate big government. Wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's exactly, just like, exactly. yeah, the steam starts shooting out of their ears, they shit themselves, and then they have to go and figure out their life. I, I, I've been very proud of uh, the, the liberals and progressives I've seen yeah. who said, I, I will be happy to pay higher prices for gasoline mm. uh, to save democracy. Yeah and, yeah. and and I think that's very heartening. And I think a lot of us feel that way. I feel that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Republicans are all about taking the opposite position and blaming you of whatever they're guilty of. And it's just, I don't know. I, I, I find it increasingly hard to believe that people are still falling for it. I, yeah. you know, Fool me three times, and there you are. You know <laughs> exactly. I mean? uh, Marsha Blackburn, uh, a couple of days ago, tweeted, uh, in fact, I think Marsha Blackburn believes her followers are dummies. And yeah, we know they're dummies, but I think she thinks they're dummies. Otherwise, yes. she wouldn't tweet something like this. She tweeted, uh, under President Trump, gas was about $2.17 in 2020. Mm -hmm. 2020. <laughs> gas Let's was cheap it. in 2020. What happened in... Trying to remember. I mean, it was a couple well, of years um, ago, but mm. 20, 20 percent of Americans were unemployed. Yeah, uh, there was that, and then mm -hmm. so they weren't going anywhere. Uh, yeah. Certainly not going to work. And then uh, all the offices closed down, so they <laughs> yeah. weren't driving into town anymore to go mm -hmm. to work. Uh, and so there was very little demand for gasoline. Yeah. Uh, gas consumption went way down and the prices went down with it because like everything else in the free market the Republicans love so much, it's all about supply and demand. Exactly fucking well, right. Not, not entirely in the case of oil, but... Yeah, yeah. No demand <laughs> you know, I mean, whatsoever for gas that year. Record, record profits at all the major oil companies and they're putting 40% of that money back into stock buybacks uh, mm -hmm. instead of... And, and raising prices on us at the same time. Yeah. And I don't think the petroleum industry is alone in this price gouging that's going on right now. Yeah. That is, uh, in addition to the instability in the worldwide market and in addition to the worldwide inflation, I think there's there's price gouging going on here mm -hmm. uh, that, that's making things worse. And, and nobody more guilty of this than the petroleum industry. Yeah. And another thing that I, that I want to get off my chest, because <laughs> I know this is a big uh, conservative position, big Republican position. Right. Uh, well, if Biden hadn't shut down the XL pipeline, we wouldn't be in this situation. Ugh. Let me let me let me recap this for you. Biden didn't shut down the pipeline. A judge did mm -hmm. because the Trump administration failed to meet the necessary requirements. Right. Uh, that's that's number one. Number two, uh, the purpose of the XL pipeline was to carry tar sands from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico for export. Yes. So that oil was never meant for the United <laughs> States, even though they would drag this dangerous goo across our country mm -hmm. it wasn't and even if you were right even if there was some way it could benefit the united states that would still be at least two years away so shut up about the xl pipeline yeah and as jen Psaki reminded us the other day nine thousand oil exploration permits are just sitting there unexplored. They've been uh, granted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oil company revenues were up by massive numbers last year. That's what's driving me nuts about all of this. In fact, sometimes my conspiratorial side kind of starts to, you know, like I get the spidey sense tingling uh, when it comes to shit like this. Exxon, for example, uh, revenues were up by 57% last year. Chevron, up 84% yeah. last year. Thank Shell. You. 49% up last year. BP, fucking BP, who was responsible for the uh, Deepwater Horizon, 45% uh, up last year. That's don't, insane. Don't, yeah. Don't be mad about a gasoline that costs four and a quarter or four fifty a gallon or whatever it's going to. Don't be mad about that. Be mad mm -hmm. about these profit figures Bob just gave you. Yeah. That's what we should be focused on. Why, why oh why won't big government step in and stop this? I mean, yes, as Democrats, we want that to happen. In fact, as Democrats, we would rather have green energy, renewable energy that's entirely made here. But that's a different story. This is about uh, hypocrisy. Once again, it's the hypocrisy of the Republican right, right going after uh, Joe Biden, insisting that he do something, you know, about private industry. Let the free market decide, right, Buzz? Gotta let the right. free market decide on this shit. Well, that's exactly Biden what's happening, and they're abusing their uh, their freedom. That's what they're doing.
So. Absolutely. And well, Biden's already released a, a, a record amount of strategic reserve that increases supply to meet the increased demand. Mm -hmm. And that will help curb prices. Uh, there's a lot of uh, talk and increasing pressure on the White House to drop at least for a while the yeah. uh, federal 18 cents a gallon tax on gas. We could bring gas under $4 a gallon today if we were to drop that federal tax that it may not be needed at the moment. We could yeah. always reinstate it later. Uh, it was there for a number of reasons, including uh, building roads and curbing pollution. Well, talk about uh, the free market abusing its liberty. Uh, we have to talk about Facebook in the context of Russia right now. Uh, I had no idea. I thought Facebook stopped doing business with Russia years ago. <laughs> as a consequence of the 2016 election. But uh, uh no, 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 obviously not. Uh, right up until uh, Russia actually invaded Ukraine or, or shortly after uh, Facebook, that's when Facebook decided, okay, you know what, bridge too far, we're going to stop doing business in Russia. But And here's a, an amazing compare and contrast between uh, Facebook before Russia's invasion and Facebook blocking Russia and yeah. after that happened. Here are the top 10 best-performing Facebook pages oh, good. in the 24 hours right before Facebook This is so Russia. important. Everybody yeah. pay attention to this. This is so important. Right. Uh, number 10, CNN. Number 9, Ben Shapiro. Number 8, something called I Need a Word. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. Number 7, Dan Bongino. Number 6, Dan Bongino. Number 5, Ben Shapiro. Number 4, Ben Shapiro. Number 3, Sean Hannity. Number 2, Franklin Graham. And number 1, Sean Hannity. That was before Facebook blocked Russia. Mm -hmm. Here are the top 10 uh, link posts by U.S. Facebook pages in the 24 hours after Facebook blocked Russia. Yes. N number 9, or number 10, uh -huh. All K-pop. I don't know what that is. Number nine, the New York <laughs> Times. I don't know what that is either. Uh, no <laughs> number eight, NPR. Number uh -huh. seven, Ben Shapiro. Number six, uh -huh. Elizabeth Warren. Number five, twice. Number four, The Federalist. Number three, Occupy Democrats. Number two, Historias Realis. And number one, Occupy Democrats. <laughs> What's different oh, about those right. two lists? What could it be? Could it be? Hey, this, is, this is so important. And understand... This is what the removal of Russian influence on yes. all aspects of our society, all aspects of our economy. Mm -hmm. This is what happens when you remove the Russian influence. What happens is now we see the real list of the top 10 Facebook pages. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 this is the biggest eye-opener ever. This is huge yep. because now... Now that this this crap has been removed, we see the actual truth. Yep. Uh, they, the the conservatives wouldn't have had wouldn't have occupied those top ten slots uh, over the last two, six years had it not been for support from Russia. That's right. Vladimir Putin might be the biggest villain on the world stage right now. Mark Zuckerberg's not far behind. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg's just allowing it to happen, or just right. up until recently. But you know what? Still, he's still fucking guilty. Uh, Facebook, this evil empire that we need to stop using. Uh, but this just indicates to me that uh, all of these pages, Ben Shapiro's page, Dan Bongino's page, uh, Franklin Graham, Sean Hannity, that they were all being amplified. Their reach was being boosted by yeah, Russian bots and trolls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a staggering. It's all, it's all a ruse. It's, it's all artificial. It's a facade. Yeah, yeah. And this goes back to something I, Kimberly and I have been talking about for a long time now. And yeah. there was a documentary about Instagram, and it was really enlightening, Buzz, from the perspective of how many Instagrammers buy their followers and artificially present themselves in this sort right. of bling style culture and it was such a, a a rude awakening in terms of how social media actually works if you think social media is a meritocracy that rewards people for clever thoughts and interesting <laughs> posts you're out to lunch because what social media anymore. does is amplifies anyone who's willing to pay for it that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, so many quote unquote influencers, in which, by the way, I hate that term, mm -hmm. but so yeah. many influencers are only influencers because they shelled out the cash. You can go to a website right now and buy a thousand followers for less than filling up your SUV at the gas pump right now. I mean, this is just staggering. In fact, there are many podcasts that are able to do that, too. Buy their right. downloads. Mm -hmm. And that explains, <laughs> this is something Buzz and I were talking about before the show, that explains why there are so many 
Red Hat podcasts that occupy the top 100 on Apple Podcasts and so it's forth. It's an illusion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely illusion. They're buying their shit. They're buying and, their people. You know, don't think it hasn't occurred to us, well, maybe we should do that too to boost our numbers. No, it isn't worth it. Yeah, I can't do it's it. Because it's, it's fake. It's yeah. just fake. Yeah. And we can't, we're not here to do that. I can't live with to. myself. Yeah, I can't, right. can't sleep right. at night knowing that right. uh, we're talking to just a bunch of bots and trolls, but everyone thinks we're important because we've got large downloads. And yeah, that's, that's the important thing. Yes. Exactly right. So, uh, meantime, the Biden administration has discussed a possible deal to send Poland's Soviet-era MiG fighter jets to yeah. Ukraine. This is a pretty big deal, and so you got to take your hat off to the Polish president, Duda. Look out! Camptown racers sing this song. Duda, Duda. Camptown racers President Duda. Oh, Duda day. President Duda of Poland, yeah. Sorry. Uh, it happens automatically. I don't know why. It's just a reflex. As soon as I say President Duda, Look I go, out. Oh, Camptown racers sing this song. Duda, Duda. Camptown racetrack five miles long. Oh, Duda day. Buzz, that's a crowd pleaser. Just to let you know. It is. It is. Well, you know, uh, all frivolity aside, uh, from this point forward, let's be careful not to say Duda. Look out. Camp Town Racetrack five miles long. Oh, Duda Day. <laughs> National Treasurer Eugene Levy. Holy God, is he funny. Yeah, even um, if he's Canada's, yes. <laughs> yeah. Continental. Continental Treasurer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, in exchange, the U.S. would replace Poland's planes with American-made F-16s. Ukraine's government is interested in the old planes because of the country's military pilots already know how to fly them. Putin, right. however, warned that Moscow would view any Western attempts to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine as participating in the armed conflict against Russia. That's a separate story. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Uh, separately, nearly all of the troops Russia amassed on Ukraine's border are now fighting inside the country, and the U.S. Right. doesn't believe that Russia is preparing to move additional battalion tactical groups from elsewhere in the country to shore up what they've put into Ukraine. So, but I mean, at least uh, I'm heartened to see all of these Eastern European nations, uh, including Poland and President Duda. Look oh, out! Oh, shit! Camp Town Racers sing shit. this song. Duda, Duda. Camp Town Racetrack five miles long. Oh, Duda day. <laughs> Uh, both Poland, Hungary, and uh, several other wow. Eastern uh, Eastern Bloc I'm, nations are uh, taking all these Ukrainian refugees, and it's uh, yes, yeah. that's the the best service. And Poland has said, you know, we're, we'll give uh, humanitarian services all, all the live long day, but yeah. we won't, uh, you know, but we won't. <laughs> you mean uh, all, we, the day, right? yeah, all the do day? All the do day. They 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 won't. You know, they don't want to provoke Russia. They don't want to be a target. Uh, it's a clever idea in in a way, but if in the end Russia views the contribution of these planes as an act of war, then you're at war with Russia. Yeah. And 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 just briefly on that, I, I think we already are. Uh, Putin yeah. has said that any country that places sanctions upon Russia is at war with Russia. Yeah. As far as he's concerned, the war is on. Sure, uh, sure. We're we're not playing it his way. Uh, and and I think if we could wait him out uh, another month, maybe I don't know how long it'll take, uh, and or how many lives will have to be lost in the meantime. But uh, I, I think he's painted himself into a corner here. Well, it's one thing to conceptually say that we're, uh, if you're Vladimir Putin, to say we're already at war with the West and the, the NATO alliance and so on. It's another thing entirely to get into a situation where you're triggering the rules of engagement. And right. I, I'm not sure if we know what Moscow's rules of engagement are no. in terms of, you know, if we hit one of their uh, fighter jets, how do they retaliate? And then how do we retaliate against that? And then how do they retaliate? against that and whether that leads to the use of, of nuclear weapons. And so that's, to me, the biggest question mark is, what are Putin's rules of engagement? It seems like those rules of engagement are on a hair trigger. You know, this isn't going to be one of those things where it's uh, Kennedy and Khrushchev carefully navigating the blockade and quarantine of Cuba. This is something that's a little more volatile than even yeah, that. And, and we came damn close to a nuclear war during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So Putin's Putin's rules are of engagement are subject to change at every moment. Yeah. Also. Oh, right. I'm right. not sure it's something you can pin down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this idea of a no-fly zone, just a terrible idea that would only inflame the situation and drag us uh, I mean, maybe not right away, but would eventually drag us is. into a and, broader war. Yeah, and at least on the progressive side, it's compassion that that's called for that. You mm. know, a number of progressives have said, "Well, why can't we do this and that?" Well, because it would result in World War Three. Yeah, uh, it, it's just hard for many Americans to sit 
seemingly idly by while uh, Ukrainians are slaughtered. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and forced, uh, two million of them forced out of their country. Well, this just in, Donald Trump's decided that his plan would be to paint the side of a mountain to look like the opening of a train tunnel and then to <laughs> run toward it and then hope that the roadrunner, I mean, Vladimir Putin smashes right into it. And then you can drop an Acme anvil right on Putin's head and that'll solve the whole problem. Donald Trump is Acme's second biggest customer. <laughs> Always an idea, man, isn't he? Right. Um, shit. What, what a pathetic... You know, I saw a video of him the other day holding court in Mar-a-Lago. Yes. So pathetic. So sad and brittle and small. Holding court in Mar-a-Lago like Jake LaMotta at his nightclub toward the end. Unbelievably pathetic. This little tiny man... Uh, just desperate, desperate for attention, so needy, needs the adulation of the people around him, has to bask in it in order for him to feel because, like... Yeah. Because he has no real friends. I saw a great shot. You know those uh, tables sometimes in bars or certain lunch counters or whatever, they have uh, these little round tables, but they're tall, so you stand at them. Yeah. And so Trump is standing at one of those uh, Mar-a-Lago <laughs> By himself. By himself. And and he looked, and it didn't it didn't disturb me. But but what seemed clear to me is he looked very lonely. He looked he looked lost and alone, standing there by himself, no one to listen to him, no one to applaud him, no one to cheer for him, and he looked very sad, holding one balloon. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So, and it was yeah. You're right. It was very sad. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Party is so, over, champ. And holding an ice cream cone with the ice cream melting down over yes. his hand. That would have been perfectly fitting in this photograph. No yeah. friends. You don't have any friends. Just like Gollum. Yeah. Oh, so pathetic. Endlessly pathetic. Um, all right, so moving on here. Speaking of Donald Trump, Bill Barr has said that the Republican Party needs to move on from Donald Trump, but that he'd vote for Trump anyway. We're going to yes. talk... You know, it's the return of the return of Bill Barr the elephant. Yes, we're going to talk about that, and we have to talk about this truck protest that was encircling yeah. the Beltway over the past couple Brilliant. of days. We'll talk about that too, uh, right after these words. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Bob Seska plays more music. I met a girl when I was just 17 She took me out for a dance once Flower complexion and April dreams We drank strawberry wine There she goes There she goes There she Oh, yeah, we haven't played these guys in a long time. I'm so glad we're revisiting. This is the great Japan Van Dam. Song called There She Goes from uh, their normal style album. ReverbNation.com slash Japan Van Dam. There's an E at the end because they're excellent. It's Van Dam just like uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. There except, she goes. Except Japan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, continuing on with our uh, Tuesday show. Thank you yeah, again for well, joining us. Yeah, what? I- I'm just glad we're past the part of the show where we said doodah. Look out, <laughs> Camp Town Racers sing this song. Doodah, doodah. Camp Town Racetrack five miles long. Oh, doodah day. Yep, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back into things here. Yes, um, seriously. There's a, uh, a truck protest circling the Beltway uh, mm-hmm. for the past couple of days. This is driving in a big circle. They're getting lost. They're getting separated. And they're pro- you know what they're protesting, Buzz? They're protesting all the uh, COVID mandates. 
and the COVID mandates that are now over. <laughs> yeah, that and uh, the high gas prices, which yeah. is why they're out there wasting fuel in uh -huh. you know, six, six to 15 miles per gallon vehicles. Yeah, and in some cases, before we banned the import of Russian oil. So right. Russia's going, hey, thanks, truck protesters. Thanks for all of that cash, because we need it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so there was this one truck protester uh, this guy interviewed uh, who's worried about being digitized. So this uh, reporter asked one of these truck protesters, hey, what are you concerned about? Like, why are you doing this? Don't do this. Uh, a female, and by the way, a lot of QAnon people are there and and <laughs> and leading this event. Yeah. Uh, but this is a, a female truck driver. Yeah. And by the way, can I mention, please, that the real Q is back on television. John Delancey has reprised yes. his role as Q oh, man. on Star Trek Picard, and it was a home fucking run. It's it's Q. It's the Borg. It's yeah. Guinan. It's oh man. Yeah. So great. Seven of nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. First episode episode of season two of Picard better than the entire first season as far as I'm concerned <laughs> the first season was something. okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but this was really good anyway that's the real cue so this trucker protester was asked hey why are you doing this so here we go are you really concerned about right now I don't want them to digitize us you don't want them what to digitize us I don't want to take medicine that'll hurt people what was the what was the word you used though I haven't heard that digital <laughs> Digital. Digital? And what what does that mean? They're trying to They're trying to make us robots. They're trying to make it where we have no choice in nothing to where they control. They can control us from what they put in our bodies. And eventually we'll we'll actually be robots? According to what they're saying. Not robots, but according to what they've already got a full man-made working <laughs> female robot. Wow. Was she talking about those sex robots? What's she talking about? I, that's all I can gather. Real you know? doll. She's concerned about real doll is what she's worried about. Hey, you know what? Look, um, I think every weirdness like that is an actual opportunity for us to make a little side money. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's got a side hustle these days. I yeah. want to start a side hustle selling people like that robot insurance. It's so hard nowadays. <laughs> With all the gangs and rap music. What about robots? What about oh, robots? They're everywhere. everywhere. I don't even know why the scientists make <laughs> Old Glory covers anyone over the age of 50 against robot attack, regardless of current health. I'm Sam Waterston of the popular TV series Law & Order. As a senior citizen, you're probably aware of the threat robots pose. Yeah. Robots are everywhere, and they eat old people's medicine for fuel. The digital. Well, now there's a company that offers coverage against the unfortunate event of a robot attack. My company. Old Glory Insurance. You need to feel safe. And that's harder and harder to do nowadays because robots may strike at any time. And when they grab you with those metal claws, you can't break free because they're made of metal and robots are strong. Now, for only $4 a month, you can achieve peace of mind in a world full of crime and robots with Old Glory Insurance. <laughs> for when the metal ones decide to come for you. And they will. And they will. <laughs> I'll sign up for that. Yeah. See? Every uh, crisis is an opportunity, isn't it? That's right. Um, yeah, if you make it one. She's worried about being digitized, and what I think she meant to say was digitized... And she's just <laughs> mixing her and, L's and her Z's. And, and even that's not correct, but it goes to they're injecting <laughs> chips into people. I, I wish we could inject a grammar and education into her because you, you can tell by her speech she is undereducated. <laughs> we need to inject some grammar into her. Yes, yeah. That's As right. A dose of grammar. Yeah, a grammar in its liquid form, right? Uh, yeah, and, maybe and, we can, well, now if we can program it in a chip and inject that, then maybe right. they would. Maybe we could inject education into these people because educating them didn't work. I think some IV grammar is in order here. Mm -hmm. um, so the shadow that. docket, the shadow docket has delivered a knockout punch to GOP gerrymandering in North Carolina and Pennsylvania. How about them apples? Really? Yeah. This something. is great news. Yeah, the Supreme Court kind of uh, continuing its whiplash shadow docket decisions. Surprised where, me. Yeah, yeah, where every other one is like, hey, great news. And then the next one's like, ah, fuck. And then the next one's yeah. like, hey, cool. And then the next one's, mm -hmm. ah, fuck. 
That continues to happen. In a victory for Democrats, the Supreme Court has turned away efforts from Republicans in North Carolina and Pennsylvania to block state court-ordered congressional redistricting plans and separate orders late Monday. The justices are allowing maps selected by each state's Supreme Court to be in effect for the 2022 elections. Those maps are more favorable to Democrats than ones drawn by the state legislatures. Thank God. Yeah. Well... It's too close to the election. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what they would say, right? Right. In North Carolina, the map most likely will give Democrats an additional House seat in 2023. Pennsylvania map also probably is going to lead to the election of more Democrats, the Republicans say, as the two parties battle for control of the House of Representatives in the midterm elections in November. Don't get happy. This is still going to be a, a tough fight just because the gerrymandering has worked out in Democrats' advantage. I keep saying, Buzz, that this is not only an opportunity as far as preserving our majorities in Congress, true, but also selling the idea of banning gerrymandering. What better yes. time to get Republicans on board with mm-hmm. a ban on gerrymandering than when Republicans have been out gerrymandered <laughs> by the Democrats? <laughs> Yeah, you know it's happened mean? in a few cases in several states this year. Uh, and, of course, obviously, uh, Pennsylvania is a crucial state in the election. Yeah. Uh, th- this is uh, this is a message we, we have to get out, and that is mm-hmm. uh, this only works, this only helps if we vote. Yeah, and we have to vote, and we have to vote in large numbers. Uh, right. We have to register voters. We have to engage and get out the vote efforts, go TV, as they call it. So these are all things that require hustle. It requires energy. And we have to bear in mind the priorities of what we're dealing with right now. We have to bear in mind how we need, why we need to uh, hustle up more so than uh, previous uh, midterms, at least midterms when we have a a president of our own party, where we tend to sort of take a nap those years, or we tend to play into the conventional wisdom. Well, you know, the the party of the president often gets shellacked in their first midterms. Well, we, it doesn't have to be that way. There's no rule no. that says it has to be that way. All we need to do is to, as I said, go to sleep and then it'll happen. But if we actually bring the energy the same way we brought it in 2020 and 2018, then we can retain our majorities. In fact, expand majorities in the Senate. You want to make we need, yeah, yeah, to get things done because the majority we have now isn't really a majority. It isn't mm-hmm. enough. We need to increase those numbers. And, and you know, it occurs to me also that uh, while uh, the Democrats are focused on things like uh, democracy and the, the planet and those sorts of things, and Republicans are off fighting their culture wars, I, I think what regular people, what regular voters are concerned about is mm-hmm. inflation. And yeah. we, need to, we need to address that. I think Biden's doing what he can. I think you would expect more action from him. Some of this is, a lot of this will be out of his control because it is a worldwide problem. Yeah, it is. It really, really is. And so just remember what the stakes are and what we stand to win out of this. You want, you're pissed off at Manchin and Cinema. Take away their power by expanding our majority in the Senate. That's all it requires. That's that's it. The power is in our hands. We don't need to, at this point, I mean, we don't necessarily need to eliminate the filibuster to get shit through. What we need to do is hustle and get the Democrats a larger majority in the Senate. So therefore, if Manchin and Cinema want to be a pain in the ass moving forward, they'll no longer have the power to swing a, a floor vote. So just don't let them do it. You're yeah. pissed off about them? Don't let them do it again. Stop and them. It, as we've said before, you know, this is where we're chatting with the choir here. And, yeah. and so uh, everybody listening and you and I are on board with this. What we as a group should realize, I think, is that so many people, as I've said before, have mm-hmm. stopped paying attention, have tuned out. Yeah. Uh, it, it is our job to re-engage them with things they care about, with mm-hmm. things they're, they're concerned about. And, uh, it, you know, this is an approach we need to keep in mind. Uh, because there's a practical side to winning, and uh, that that includes recruiting as many people as we can. Yeah. And to do that, you have to get them engaged. And I completely understand it. This is such a good point, Buzz. Uh, where all of us, you know, here, you know, listening to the show, certainly us uh, hosting the show, and so on, we all understand what needs to be done, and right. we're all doing those things. It's just there are quite a few Democrats who are still kind of like, oh, I'm so exhausted with this. In fact, Ruben Gallego was on the Stephanie Miller show this morning, and he was saying something similar. Like a lot of Democrats are just tired. They're exhausted after yeah. four years fighting right. Donald Trump, fighting 
the Republicans. And so now they're kind of in low power mode or whatever you want to call it. Right. And, yeah. uh, and so what we need to do is to re-energize those people and remember that this election could mean the future of democracy. I mean, it's these are the ongoing stakes. I hate to put it in existential terms like that all the time, but that's the truth. We didn't decide to put us here, but here we are. So it's uh, it's it's frustrating, but we need to uh, we need to do the work. We need to hustle. We do, if we bring the hustle, we win. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, votes and elections, we have actual voter fraud from 2020. <laughs> real, I knew it. Real knew voter it. fraud. I knew yep. it. Yep. Yeah. On September 19th, about three weeks before North Carolina's voter registration deadline for the general election, Mark Meadows, former White House chief of staff, former member of Congress filed his paperwork on a line that asked for his residential address, quote, Mm -hmm. where you physically live, unquote, the form instructs. Meadows wrote down the address of a 14 by 16 two-foot mobile home in Scaly Mountain. (laughs) Ew, Scaly Mountain. You know, know, when I get scaly skin, I, I hate the itching, but I don't mind the swelling. Uh, well, so the swelling is what makes it a mountain. <laughs> that's exactly right. And the the itch is caused by the scaling. And and by the way, that's where I'd love to see Mark Meadows end up is in a trailer <laughs> on Scaly Mountain. That's that, that would be so great, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's sort of like it's it's sort of like a modern version of in a van down by the river. It would be in a trailer on Scaly Mountain. I think that's the name of today's show, by the way. Uh, He listed his move-in date for this address as the following day, September 20th. This is in 2020, by the way. Meadows does not own this property and never has. It is not clear that he has ever spent a single night there. By the way, he did not respond to a request for comment from the New Yorker. The previous owner, who asked uh, that we not use her name, now lives in Florida, quote, That was just a summer home, she told me, when I called her up the other day. She seemed surprised to learn that the residence was listed on the Meadows' forms. (laughs) Because they never actually lived there. Hey, that was my place. Yeah. Mark Meadows engaging in voter fraud. Yeah, we shouldn't it's be cheering always. for voter fraud, but I mean that that cheer is We're for cheering. the actual discovery of it, right? Yeah, that he's been caught. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh man, it's always the Republicans. It's always the Republicans. If yeah. there's voter fraud at all, and statistically there isn't, yeah, but on those rare occasions when it happens, <laughs> it's always a Republican. That's exactly right. And you know, I remember uh, I want to say back in 2011 ish or so, somewhere in there. Uh, the uh, uh, Rick Santorum. I, I almost, <laughs> I almost mm-hmm. forgot his name. Rick Santorum tried a similar scam, where he set up occupancy in a place that he clearly didn't live with his family. He's got like I don't know, eighty-two children. I don't know <laughs> that he has literally eighty-two. He has a lot of kids, and he was claiming on his uh, voter registration forms and so on. That he was living in this place that was like a two-bedroom, little tiny Cape Cod kind of place. There's no way he and his family were living in this house. I saw pictures of this house. It was teeny tiny. I could probably barely stand up in that place. It was so small. It was like a dollhouse. No way Rick Santorum and Mrs. Santorum and the 82 children are living in this little teeny tiny house. It's something that happens all the time. And... One of the things about the big lie that we've heard since 2020, since the 2020 election, apart from the fact that it's just basically Donald Trump's insecurities and his con- yeah. his uh, his confusion after having lost, actually uh-huh. lost something. Yes. Um, the, the thing about uh, all of this voter fraud is the big lie distracts from the actual voter fraud that's happening, and the Republicans are the ones engaged in the actual voter fraud. Always. Yeah. Every time. Every single time. How many times have we talked since 2020 and brought up, oh, oh, more Republican voter fraud? There it is. So, ah, continues on and on and on. This time, Mark Meadows. By the Uh way, 71% of Americans said they support a ban on Russian oil, even if it meant Uh higher gasoline prices in the U.S. Just wait. Yeah, wait for those same people in a couple of months to go, where's Joe? Why doesn't Joe Biden make gas prices lower? First, we had to wear masks. Now we have to buy more expensive gasoline. <laughs> That's right. Well, the, uh, what's that? We have it so much worse than the Ukrainians. <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, my God. Hey, hey speaking sure. of uh, the Ukrainians, uh, mm-hmm. 
there was a tape of this little girl, a Ukrainian yes. refugee, singing this song uh, from Frozen. And it is one of the most beautiful things I've seen since the beginning of this uh, crisis. We're going to play that coming up next on the Shadow Docket on our Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. Sign up for $5 a month. You get two Shadow Dockets every week, one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. We'll see you over there, folks. Bye-bye. Look out. Camp Town Racers sing this song. Do da, do da. Camp Town Racetrack five miles long. Oh, do da day.